0: Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to check us out at silverbirchranch.org. We love ministering to the church, to the people in the church, to children, to the uh, college age here at the Nicolay Bible Institute, and always encouraging you to teach your young people to serve, volunteer, give away their talents, their time, enjoy the process of seeing God work through them. It's great to be able to do that. Mike Jewell joins me today again. He's part of the staff here at Silverbridge Ranch and is uh, my business partner and mind because I have trouble adding. So (laughs) it's great to have someone here who can add without a calculator and uh, you can do that. We've been talking about money because it's such a tripping point, but we tend to ignore it really in many ways. I mean, the church in general. We invite you to go back and download, you know, the the previous part of the program. But the the church in general doesn't really define the word greed. We kind of talk about coveting, but if you're not going to define something, you'll never really be convicted uh, about it until you can define it. And that's why I think mm-hmm. Satan messes with the world we're in with defining things, marriage, and whatever else it might be. Because there's no sin if you keep defining things in a way that reflects the fact that you don't commit one.
1: Well, isn't that the way the world works right now? You just redefined everything. Yep. And so then, thus, the truth is what I've just redefined it to be. Yep. And uh, so everything changes. So I think you're on to something there. And we, I think that a little bit of that creeps into the, into the church or the Christian lifestyle uh, because everything's being changed all the time. Yep. And uh, frankly, there's just one absolute, <laughs> there's one truth, yeah. there's one ending that is right. Yeah. And so we all should be striving to find that.
0: You know, I would say a very general statement that anything in life that you have your faith or trust or hope in other than God will disappoint you. Yes. And that's what you really need to identify in life. Money itself is not evil, but when you Love money, or you have money so that you don't need to trust God, that's when it becomes evil.
1: Yeah. That's why I like when you mentioned that uh, during our last program, uh, you mentioned here at Silver Birch Ranch, you know, we lose money on every camper that comes through the place, you know. But all that really means is that we are uh, dependent on God's resources uh, to survive with. We have faith that God will provide what we need. To carry out the work he's put us here to do and uh and eventually the kingdom will be different because of of, of the work that's here right and there's no better place to be than in god's care because all of a sudden he just provides what we don't have to do the work of the ministry and we end up being able to complete it yeah. it's a neat place to be and it just builds your faith and and builds your reliance and uh on on God and who he is and what he's capable of doing.
0: Absolutely. I got I got some Bible verses I'll read yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead. See if you got a comment on them. 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, that's pretty inclusive, <laughs> for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. Yes. There are two kingdoms here. Yep. One is the kingdom of the Heavenly Father. One is the is the kingdom of this world. They're different. They have different rules. Yep. As we live in the kingdom under our Heavenly Father, we, we go to him and say, what are the, quote, rules for this kingdom? Mm-hmm. And God says, as my son, if you're a son of God or a daughter of God, you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're in his family, God, your heavenly Father, and God would say, "I will provide for you. You listen to me. You just listen to me, and you'll be okay." And I think, "Wow, don't make it any more complicated. I can do that."
1: Yeah, yeah, but isn't those things that you just mentioned? Aren't they the root of all sin? Yeah, I mean that's that's basically what it comes down to. And uh, you sit there, and the lust of the eyes. You know, there's that. You know, there's that that Bass Ranger fishing boat that. <laughs> Yeah. That, that the fishermen would love yeah. to have, you know, yeah. that's a lust of the eyes, yeah. you know. If they sacrifice their family's needs and things to be able to get that boat, you know, you, the sin, the sin yep. just steps in. And you go through the whole, that whole list and the pride of life. How many people operate out of pride? Yep. I mean, it's a lot of things that happen. I must do this because I'm, I want to be, I, I'm, I want people to think well of me. Yeah. And lo and behold, uh, all for the purpose of being somebody. Yep. Now, when money is used to be to make you into somebody, <laughs> you know, lo, lo and behold, I mean, you've lost track of everything God's purpose has for you. Absolutely, because He's put you here for a reason, and the reason is use the money He gives you, again, to raise a wonderful family. Uh, so, families first after God, but then put, go to work for with uh, uh, with money that towards God's uh, ministries, whatever whatever trips your heart. Yep. That he tells you to give to. Go for it. Yeah. You know,
0: it, it's so important for us to acknowledge the fact that we're dependent upon God and to live in that manner. Yeah. And really, if you have money or you don't have money, it's irrelevant to how much God loves you. He loves you. That's Send right. A son to die for you. Your value is not attached to income. And exactly. only person that ever, anyone that attaches your value to resources,
1: Is not somebody following God? Yeah, and eventually your value is that your God's love for you is not based on what He gives you. Okay, I mean He already He already loves you. I mean, holy smokes, you don't want to sit there and say, "Well, God hasn't blessed me, so He must not love me." Right. Well, that's a bunch of baloney, right Right. there. I mean, you are loved, and where He has placed you in the circumstances you are in, you can be used to advance the kingdom.
0: And you know I, that's very important to understand because it's it's Satan that tries to get us to have a value outside of God.
1: Yeah, good point. A- and yep. we
0: we can't. Our society goes that way though. When you look at the way culture's going, businesses and even the the idea of pornography, whatever it might be, what they do is they use people. Yep. They don't love people. Yep. See, people were made to love, not use. Money was made to use not love right don't get those two mixed up because when you do life is going to be just a wreck and yet people are looking at the internet looking at the news looking at television they someone's constantly in our culture trying to sell you something trying trying to talk you into some you know uh, used cars are very valuable right now oh yes once a week i'm getting a text or a phone call or now even a letter uh, asking me about a car I haven't had for six months because I sold it <laughs> and saying, if you got this, we'll buy it 110% or even more off Kelly Blue. But, you know, it's like somebody is kind of, first of all, how in the world did you know I had this car? Right, right, yeah. Because you're not on my list of who's who, you know what I mean? So, how did, well, I guess that's easy to find out somehow. But in the bottom line of things, it's like, you know, I'm constantly being bombarded either by mail or by email or by texting or by phone calls. You know, I really am told every day I need to be dissatisfied with whatever I have. And this person could make me more satisfied somehow. Yes. And I think, whatever happened to people who were content, no matter what situation they were in? And I really really am a lot. So if someone says, boy, you could use this. Okay. No, thank you. You know, and and of course, I think being I'm married to the right lady because every once in a while I go, oh, you see that boat? Maybe I should buy that for fishing. Just make <laughs> fishing easier. Now, in my head, it honestly, that she'll know that's the reason. I like to have a fishing boat set up where I can just go get in it and go out, and and then yes. I'll fish for an hour and come in. I don't want if I have to gather everything and go. Right, right. I, my hours up, you know, and I, and we live by like so. It, it I just like leaving it out there and then going and what if somebody steals it nobody will steal my stuff it's not worth it you know what i mean <laughs> it's fine right the the bottom line is she'll always let me go you really don't need that and she knows what a boat it means we've had them before and i gave them away because i right. was like these things own me you know trying to keep up uh, one year I, I had had it man my father-in-law had a couple of snowmobiles and they were kept up at our house and and gave them to me and and someone gave me an old boat and I spent my whole time trying to maintain these things. Yes. And even the snowmobiles, I got so, oh, not so old, but older, where I didn't like bouncing around anymore. On the, right. And they were nice machines. but So I only had them up there for my kids who were grown, and they would use them once a winter, and I would do all this maintenance on them, keep them out there, keep them running. Finally, I said, those have got to go. I, I You know, I'm not doing anything with them. I have these resources that aren't even being used. And um, I think... My wife saw that and just said, be careful. These are yep. things you actually need. You know right. what I mean? It, it's not against maybe what God wants. If you want to go fishing, I mean, that's fine. But, you know, there's camps got canoes. You want to use those. But regardless, I, I think it's an interesting dilemma at times to be able to go through and say, you know, this isn't bad. But should I get it? Should I not get it? I don't know. Yeah. You know, how's it going to be used? If you're going to use it relationally, money's to be used. You mentioned that in the last program you know it's a tool
1: yeah how do you look at it all and I, I think you know there's some things where you when you look at the funds that god has given you and you just look at your your you know weekly wages your uh you know uh gifts from people uh whatever is brought in there's you know i always run back and think there's a reason for this is happening you know right there's a reason that this is is going down and um, you know it's so funny then you you start looking around, okay in your life, people in your church that maybe could use some help or whatever, and lo and behold um i i, I find it very gratifying to be able to go to the church and saying you know here here's some money, okay, and I give them the, the money, but i please that person over there is in need right, and uh will you on my behalf keep it anonymously?' and just give it away to that person because they need a car fixed or something going on that they can't afford. And when I see those things, when I do those things, um, there, there's a great deal of satisfaction in it. But like I've said before, I've never really lost that, that money. Yep. <laughs> it's not lost to me. It's been invested into the kingdom, into the relationships, uh, that I, I care about, that are closest to me, and people in my church, for example, and uh, and God doesn't waste it. Right. So that's those are the things that you got to remember. This whole fear of losing the money if you give it away that I don't have it anymore, that's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie in the in the in the in the kingdom because
0: it's a twist you, on the word investment. Yeah, it is. And, it in is. In a good way.
1: Right. Because you are when you put that money into God's kingdom. Um, <clears throat> he does wonderful things with it, but, uh, you have not lost it. It's just stored up in heaven. Yeah. That's all there is d- down the road. And that's a neat thing that, that you can, um, count on. And, um, and boy, there has to be more thinking like that yeah.
0: in the church. You know, here at Silverbridge Ranch, the people, who, uh, who give us monthly donations or regular right. giving, we call them shareholders.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, yep, And I, I've
0: had a few through the years, not many. Say, so is there a, like shareholder's meeting? No. <laughs> yeah. Is there a, you know, profit? No, no. This isn't like the shareholder you think. This is more like the Green Bay Packer shareholder, right? Where where, <laughs> where you can buy it and you get nothing back in return. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and it's not really buying anything anyway. We just call it shareholder because it, in our mind, it's an investment in the youth of our country, and Every dime that it will come in, you know, we're audited. We use it right, whatever mm-hmm. we ne- need to do. Right. But, but every dollar that comes in, we're going to use for kingdom work. And so, in a way, you're a shareholder of the kingdom work, and, and you get to lose money with us. And right. that's the best I can offer. Um, so I, I, I think it's a play on words. But, you know, the Bible does define greed. In Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says this, Whoever loves money never has enough right whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income period this too is meaningless yes in other words those who love money and are never satisfied with their income according to the wisdom in the bible that's trouble and meaningless and and you are going to find that out And so there is a definition there. And and when I've used that definition, I'm talking to a young person and they say, well, I'd like to get to this income and that. I go, whoever loves money never has enough. Have you ever worked where you say, whatever I get paid, I'm satisfied with? Mm -hmm. I'm satisfied. I will live within that. One of the great lessons, and I I really don't like talking about me in this area, but I don't know any other lives to talk about. So sometimes you (laughs) have to. But one of the great lessons I learned was early in ministry when somebody wanted to pay me what I thought was a substantial fee to speak somewhere. And the struggle that went on in my heart for that. Because the the immediate response to me was, well, the message I gave really elicited a good response. I need to file that one. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. So immediately my brain went through into a battle. It was like, is that why you do this? Why do you do this? Can you get up in front of a group and tell them something that they don't like just as much as something that they do? I and and so early in ministry I fought through it and I remember in my mind as God worked on my mind it was I will never ever really make money on God's word and teaching it. Yeah. I will accept the salary that I get from Birch Ranch and I will live on that. Right, And I will not take extra. So anywhere I've gone to speak since then, if they give me anything, and some people insist on doing it, it goes to camp. Or um, any of the books I've written, you already know, I've turned all that over to camp. Right. I, I don't take anything from that. And, and it isn't because I'm Mr. Noble. It's because I think God put it on my heart that you need to be satisfied with whatever income you get. And if, if I'm teaching that to the world, because that's what the Bible says, then I also need to live that way. And and I really Sure. I really am satisfied with what I get. And and whatever God gives me, what I think I need to do, if if this is where God's called me, what I need to do is adjust my lifestyle according to it, that's all. And I I can say I, I would like more and well I'm not gonna get more there. You know, if you work at McDonald's, if that's what God's called you to do, fine. But there's, there's a ceiling there as far as how much they're going to pay you. Sure, yeah. And if, you're, if you really think you need more than that or you know, whatever, you know, my first question to anyone is, is this where God wants you? Mm-hmm. If this is where God wants you, then the amount of money doesn't matter.
1: Right, because he'll take care of the details right. after that. I mean, exactly right. So
0: don't ask the wrong question. The the, mm-hmm. the question always isn't, how much am I going to get? The question would be, is this where God wants you? Right. And um, I, I think that that's always been a little harder for me to explain to young people, especially if they want to work here, because it looks like I'm the guy in charge and I'm trying to keep them from getting more somewhere. You know, it's like, oh, I, go talk to somebody else, because the advice here comes from Ecclesiastes 5.10, you know, there's got to be a point in life where you say, this is what I want to do with my life. And you do it. And if you're going to be a missionary overseas in a place where they make $30 a month, well, then maybe that's what you need to make. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or if you're going to be, again, in L.A., you need to make a different salary because I don't know what apartments are there, whatever houses, it but it, it's different. Right. And and I think that has to... but. Loving money is not different. I don't care where you're from, or it doesn't have to be the dollar. It could be the yen. It could be you know whatever else it might be. So I think Ecclesiastes five ten is a verse that people can go read and evaluate their lives on, and say, okay, mm-hmm. I uh, I can look and define it now.
1: We get back to that the word investing that money. I mean, no matter what you make and how how it comes into your life, okay. There's a point of of uh, what are you going to do with it. And um, as you as you figure out ways, yes, you gotta you gotta take care of the expenses of the family. You get you get those things going on in your life, but there's there's things that uh, God has laid out, and it's almost like I I want to figure that out. Okay, Lord, <laughs> if you've given me some some money to invest into the kingdom, uh, I want to figure that out. Where's that going to go? So I mean. I find myself looking all the time for opportunities that's gonna uh not enrich the president of the ministry, you know, more or less. I've had plenty of ministries that I've seen right. it's all about the 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 president of the ministry that uh you know, they are the the key person, they make millions and millions and millions of dollars and it's just, you know, I don't tend to invest in those people. Right. But I if I see this little ministry uh, for example, you know I love foster care. Right. So I see these people out there, you know, struggling to take care of foster kids, just trying to make a difference in their own county, uh, in that world, in, in that world, foster world. Man, I am my I gravitate to that. Right. I you know I want to help in some way. Uh, I can supply funds to their needs. I can, I can we. My wife and I are respite parents. Uh, you know. So that we can bring in foster kids when give foster parents a break, um, <clears throat> there are many many different ways to invest, in uh, in the kingdom. But go to where God has drawn you, and it's just not about putting your money there. Put your time, put your talents, put your put your uh, abilities to work. Um, you know, for a life that's going to get changed. Yeah. And uh, and you'll have great deal of satisfaction, and God will. M- allow, you will not go without, let's put it that way, if you commit to that. So I think there's a point here where you have to commit and then God steps in later and supplies whatever you need. Yeah, you know, I I think when
0: the key for all of us is, as God lays something on your heart, respond to it, but respond to God. The illustration you gave earlier of somebody getting a suit and giving it to a homeless guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like (laughs) If you were trying to tell people who gave you money to buy that guy a suit and he shows up the next Sunday without it, yep, they don't understand what happened. If you give your money to God and people aren't going to use it right, they will answer to God. Yes. So you don't need yeah. to be their policeman. Yep. Good point. If you, if you actually give the money to God, then and And you later say, "Oh that was misused, and i've gotta I would just let God deal with it because he will yep it's very important that we give it to god though i I think what happens if if you mess that up it it ruins everything because before you know guys that are in ministry let, like myself, for example, let's say you came to me and said, I'd love to give to the Nicolay Bible Institute to help college kids learn to serve and and, and can you show me your results my my actual response to you would be no." yeah well how do I know I should give here that's between you and God the honest truth is I could try and fill your head with statistics about how wonderful we are how everything we do just works or I can tell you that this is a lifelong journey and Nicolay Bible Institute students are in that journey and we get an opportunity for a year to teach them the Bible and how to serve and die to themselves and what they do with that 10 years from now might suggest whether we were helpful at all but there's so much that goes into that i don't want to claim that nicolay bible institute is the savior of the world that's god and i'm not 100 percent sure that everyone who comes through it is going to be the next evangelist of the world i'm just not sure of that so i don't want to i don't want to concoct results to make you feel better about your gift, I want to tell you that your gift is allowing us the opportunity to do this. Mm -hmm. We're going to try and display what servanthood looks like, and we're going to try and teach what the Bible says. And our goal by the end of this thing is to be able to have people either go back into the work world or to college that know the Bible, that know God, that know Christ, and know how to make him known and serve. That's the goal. So if you want to get behind that, I invite you to. Yep. But I can't promise you the outcome.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny because as, as you're talking there, I'm thinking to myself about the outcomes, you know, of, of, of Nicolet Bible Institute, and you know, <clears throat> the time and and money invested in these kids that come through the system. I I look back at the ones I know of; they have some fantastic families that have developed out of that. I I it is amazing. To sit back and you know uh, that there's godly families. Uh, they they leave here, they get married. Uh, godly families come about. They come back and visit, and you see these you know hauling these kids on their hips <laughs> yep. and everything else because all because of what happened here during their time. Yeah. And uh, so I look at uh, investment. Is, how do you? It all about how do you measure it. Right. You know type of thing. Did they go on to be great evangelists? No. But but they're sure great parents. <laughs> yeah, and you sit back and you go, oh, th- that's a that's a good investment. And you know,
0: and and some of them will reject what we've done.
1: Yeah. Oh well, yes.
0: And and so to be honest, I think what happens sometimes is ministries are tempted to inflate their their um their results to make sure that people see how important their ministry is. And I I would encourage our listeners never to do that to a ministry. Right. For example, if if we had a a weekend where we were working with you know, I don't know, uh, alcoholics or something. You know, I might say, yeah, we had, you know, f- 50 alcoholics here, and 49 of them uh, have now recommitted their lives, and they're, they're alcohol-free. Well, that's that's a little premature, and 10 years from now we'll be able to tell. I, you know, so I'm, I'm just warning people, be careful what you're demanding a ministry to report to you that you're not encouraging them to stretch it a little bit because they want the gift money give to the because God puts it on your heart not not because they have a fancy way of asking and telling you what
1: they're doing exactly cuz numbers can be skewed no matter how you know how they want it to look at i i can recall a foundation i worked with once wanted to know what our cost per salvation decision is yeah you know and it was like sorry we don't track it, yeah. and we don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that's again up to God to take care of that. And we don't not, know. Uh, that's right. We don't want to know. No. I, I mean, I mean how do you know? <laughs> exactly. So you sit back and you and you look at that. It's not a money can can corrupt in other ways. You yeah. know, than just uh, uh, you know the lust of it. Uh, it corrupt the way you think. Right, and that's the scary part too.
0: Well, I want to just encourage our our listeners. You know, the, the key in life is to know God, to walk with him, to trust him. Yes. He puts something on your heart. He put it there for a reason. Go help. Yep. And if, if God puts it on your heart to help somebody in any situation, whether it be Christmas dinner or mm-hmm. a car that's broken and a single mom or a, a foster care, as we talked about, we encourage you to let God deal with the ramifications and enjoy God. The def- another verse I'll leave you with at the end of this program really is 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, comma, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. Yeah. I, I encourage you, if you give away money, do it with great excitement yeah. that God could even or would even use your resources to help somebody because he really doesn't need you to help somebody. And if you get to help him, that's an honor to be a part of what God's doing. And I encourage you, listen to God, enjoy God, enjoy him in public, notice the people around you that have need, and enjoy God possibly using you to meet that need. Amen. And I'm Dave Wager here with Mike Jewell. We're part of a team at Silver Birch Ranch, and we're in Silver Birch Ranch Studios on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. We invite you to visit that website, silverbirchranch.org, to get information on that or the Nicolay Bible Institute. Goodbye for now.